Hey, I'm real excited because uh, today we're going to start a new sermon series that is going to kind of, we're going to do throughout the summer, just here and there, um, from our elders here at Grace Hill Church. So each of our elders are going to be preaching um, at some point throughout the summer, probably into the fall a bit uh, as well. And we're going to do a sermon series called This Verse Changed My Life. So I basically asked each of them, hey, like, what is your verse or passage of scripture? None of them are going to pick one verse. But what is like your passage of scripture that the Lord has just used to really change you, to minister to you, to sanctify you. And I just want them to have the opportunity to preach that to you. This is not only a way for them to share their heart with you, but for you to get to know their heart. So this is going to be fun to do throughout the summer as they uh, pop up every few weeks uh, to preach. And I'm, I'm really excited about this. So first one who's going to be preaching for us um, today is uh, Monty McCullough, whom, I'm, uh, whom I affectionately call Dad. And uh, Dad, if you're back there, you can, you can kind of make your way out here. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Um, and so uh, you, guys, you guys know uh, Monty. He's uh, preached several times for us. He's been an elder here at Grace Hill Church since the very beginning, uh, five years ago. So I'm, I'm really excited for him to continue to be able to uh, teach us uh, from God's word. And let me just say a few things about him. Uh, number one, if you want to find someone who is... Older, is that all right? Is that okay? Um, Than me, uh, who uh, has spent decades of his life being soaked in the Word of God. That's my dad. If you want to find someone who has discovered that when he makes mistakes or when he sins against someone else or the Lord, to run to repentance and humility, to be vulnerable, to confess his sin and who will be glad to share that with you, that's my dad. If you wanna find someone who will spend the time to get to know you and to know your story and to understand you and to minister to you and to care for you before he ever forms an opinion about you, that's my dad. He's a gift to this church. He's a good pastor, a faithful shepherd, and that's what he spends his time doing here is ministering and caring for you deeply. And so I want to pray for him. Um, I, I love to get to sit under his preaching, and then um, we'll get that blessing. So let's pray. God, we're, uh, we're just grateful that we can gather here this morning. Uh, and God, we're grateful that you've given us your word, that we don't have to guess when it comes to who you are, or who we are, and, and how we relate to you. We don't have to guess when it comes to how we can have a relationship with you, that you have clearly laid this out. And we're just grateful that we can come here and we can hear from truth. And God, we're also grateful for faithful shepherds who take the job seriously of teaching your word, of caring for your people, of seeing their primary job as to shepherd. And so, God, I'm grateful for my dad who spends his time and gives of his time to do that for this church, who labors in the word of God so that he can not only fill his own soul, but to minister to others. Just pray that as we sit under his teaching this morning, that you would, by your spirit, uh, change us, grow us, build our faith on the spot right now. And I just pray you would give him joy as he gets to teach from your word. We love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You didn't make this any easier on me. 
Thank you. I don't guess I need to introduce myself. I have a I just want to give you a, a simple objective of mine this morning in light of as we talked about earlier just the the last week alone in our world um my objective here this morning is that you would see the glory of God. Let me give a short prayer. Father, we invite you. Lord, I pray that you allow our eyes, our hearts, to see your glory. I ask, Lord, that you would strengthen each person's faith here this morning. Jesus' name, amen. Well, as he said, I did not have a single verse um, that, that changed my life, or you, I would even call my life verse. Um, for me, Ephesians has been huge in my life. Um, so we'll be in Ephesians 1. If you have a Bible or an app or something, we'll be in Ephesians 1 and a little bit of Ephesians 4, if you want to turn there. Um, and we'll also have the words on the screen. So I'm going to start by reading Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14, uh, which are, I guess, my verse. (laughs) So read with me, please. Uh, Starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself, for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ According to the purposes of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved, in in Jesus. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. And this is according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Can you see that? In all wisdom and insight, he lavished his grace upon us, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory, so that we might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, 
the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. And when we acquire possession of it, it's going to be to the praise of his glory. If you're a Christian, all of this is ours and true for you and me. This is the gospel, the good news, that we have been redeemed and adopted, and all of that according to the lavish purposes of God's will, according to the riches of his grace, so that we might be to the praise of his glory, God's glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And when you acquire possession of that, which is he's the guarantee, it'll be to his glory. Three times in this passage that we read, everything that Paul is going to tell us through the, throughout the, the rest of the letter to the Ephesians is so that we might be to the praise of God's glory. What does that mean? What does the Bible mean when it says, to the praise of God's glory? All things God created are meant to point to his glory. More than that, we who were created in his image are to praise him and reflect his glory. We are to direct our whole life to God. We're called to belong to a body of Christ. Each person is vital to the health of that body. In the beginning of Ephesians 4, Paul urges us to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. So the way Paul describes this direction of one's whole life to God is being completely humble and gentle, being patient, bearing with one another in love, and being eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And this is the way Paul puts it in Colossians. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. He says, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love. Love binds everything together in perfect harmony. Paul Tripp in New Morning Mercies says this about that Colossians passage. He says, this, passion defi- this passage defines our identity. He goes on to say, but we, where did Paul get this character list? The answer is that these are traits of Christ. This means that Jesus makes his invisible presence visible through his people who represent him in one another's lives. You are the look of Christ's face. You are the tone of his voice. You are the touch of his hands. 
You are the physical representative of his grace, and this is your mission in every relationship. So your calling and my calling is to make the grace of the invisible king visible. Your calling and my calling is to make the grace of the invisible king visible. So after all that, let me ask you a few questions. These questions are not just having to do with the body of, of the church or body of Christ. Maybe more importantly, it's concerning how you are with your immediate family or your spouse, or your children, your siblings, your neighbors, co-workers, everyone. Do you think that you will fail at being humble? Do you think you will fail at being gentle? Do you think you will fail at being patient? Do you think you will fail at bearing with one another in love? And do you think you will fail to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace? Of course. See, none of us is perfect, even with the Holy Spirit living within us, because none of us have been completely sanctified or had our sinful tendencies completely removed from us. I'm going to show you that in my life. Christians are supposed to be a better example of these traits, although we can drift away and take our eyes off of the only one who can change our hearts. So let me share a story with you of how I failed at these questions. And I've lived what I'm calling a false persona. Before I was married to my wife, Lori, we've been married 42 years. We've celebrated 42 this last Tuesday. Before I was married to my wife, Lori, I did not know that I was used to having a duplicitous life. I did all along. I just didn't realize it as easily. What I mean by that is a a private persona and a public persona. The two personas I had were completely different. I didn't realize it because I wasn't with the same person 24-7 who could witness that until I was married. But then, after looking back on 12 years of a rocky marriage, I realized that I resented her seeing and knowing this, and I was bitter about her knowing. When we got married, I was the youth director of a church, and I was the director of the senior citizens. I was loved by the the senior citizens. I was the darling of the senior citizens. I loved that. I was loved by the parents of the youth. I got to the point that I was becoming prideful and not gentle with Lori, impatient, not bearing with her in love, and drifting away from maintaining a unity with Lori, much less a unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. I was having to burn the candle at both ends just to try and be the public persona and not let her see who she really married. Therefore, Lori became the problem in my world. 
And now I was stuck with all the things I had said I believed about never getting a divorce, being a Christian leader, and a loving husband. I was becoming more and more resentful. I was in hiding. See, I was exposed now. I was naked, just like Adam and Eve, and I hid. When I say I was in hiding, what I was doing was anything that took me out of the house for four or more hours. I was golfing, hunting, fishing, moonlight, programming. I just did not want to be in the home. I wanted to be who I wanted to be and on my own terms without someone to challenge that as if I was doing something wrong. Our marriage suffered because of that for 12 years. But during that time, Monty and Lori McCullough lived a couple's duplicitous life as well. You wouldn't have known it. You would have thought that we were a perfect couple. You see, when you're exposed, you go into hiding, and then when you have to come out, you, you have on fig leaves. And you're covered with a different persona. Do you remember the story of Adam and Eve? You come out with a persona that is more acceptable and loved by those who see you. So let me ask you a question. When will someone ask you, who told you that you were naked? Whose voice have you been listening to where you have you have to mask who you are. That's a great question that God asks Adam. Who told Adam? Did the serpent? Did God? Adam was made in the image of God, and God breathed life into Adam, and God gave him a spirit and a soul. And Adam innately knew he had done wrong, and he was ashamed, and he hid. I am more than certain that while hiding among the trees, Adam and Eve were not eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And after God doled out the punishment, what do you suppose that marriage was like? You know what it must have been like. So when God asked that question, he followed it with another question. Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? We all know what happened after that. God banished them from the Garden of Eden to not be in his presence anymore. Before that, he did that, though. He made garments of skin, and he clothed them. He cared for them. He was not going to forsake them. His plan since then has been to reconcile men to himself. God has no intention to leave you and me in our naked state. He will not forsake you and me either. So what happened? Why were Adam and Eve deceived into believing that the forbidden fruit was better than having God? Why did they believe that being like God, knowing good and evil, would be better? They took their eyes off of God's glory. They lost their awe of him. 
And when they did that, everything was created to the praise of his glory, and they ceased to see that. They saw it for their own glory. So how do we direct our whole life to God? Think of it in this way. How do we keep God's glory before us and each other? How do we do that? How do we remain in awe of God? The answer is in Ephesians 4. Let me walk us through a good portion of it to show how we grow and thrive. We will see how we are intended to be to the praise of God's glory and not our own glory. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And that will be to the praise of his glory. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, every person, with which it is equipped, when each part, each person, is working properly, Christ makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And that'll be to the praise of God's glory. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the naked and hiding do in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. They have stopped looking at the glory of God. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. They're hiding. But that's not the way you learn Christ. It's not. You saw his glory. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, that false persona, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Be renewed. And to put on a new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. And that'll be to his glory. Therefore, having put away falsehood, the false persona, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, showing your true persona, who you really are. For we are members one of another. Be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Come out of hiding. Allow your father to excite your soul's deep need. And give no opportunity to the devil. Look to the glory of Christ. Be in awe. If you and I love God, love Jesus, we will love others. Going on in verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And that'll be to the praise of God's glory. 
And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as, Christ in, as God in Christ forgave you. He lavished you with forgiveness to the praise of his glory. If you and I love God and we love Jesus, we will love others. This is how we grow and thrive. Not just as churches, but as community groups, families, marriages, and within the greater community around us. We represent and point everything to the praise of his glory. Once our eyes come off of his glory and we lose our awe of him, we will desire that which he has warned us not to desire. We were made for him. We know it. And so when we make that mistake that you and I will make, we want to go into hiding because we're exposed. We're naked. And when you do that, who will woo you out and clothe you? Maybe you're weighed down with a past that you're ashamed someone will find out. Could be something like an abortion or you had or pressured to have. Somebody to have. Maybe you're weighed down with a habit of watching things you should not be watching. Maybe you struggle in your marriage and treat your wife or husband the way I did. Maybe your life growing up was a very broken time. Who will woo you out and clothe you? Jesus will. And in all wisdom... And insight, he intends to do that through his body, through his church, through each of us. That's his plan. Lori and I are in our 43rd year of marriage. And you may be wondering what happened with those 12 years of marriage. The answer is the body of Christ happened. When we look back, we can attribute it to nothing else after a weekend with my sister and brother-in-law in Baton Rouge Louisiana my sister Matilda sent me this letter I had grown so callous to being the way I truly was that I did not bring out the public persona any longer in front of really familiar people my sister was convicted to confront me, and by the grace of God and into the praise of his glory. In this letter, she wrote these words. Let me be honest. I was crushed this weekend just in general observation. General observation. He goes on and says, she, Lori, she honestly doesn't know if she means anything to you. This is a multi-page letter written over multiple days. She, she paused. She prayed. And you hear the meat of it. 
She was encouraging and challenging. She was speaking the truth in love. And after praying and considering her words, the Lord got my attention. Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? Then one night, Lori and I went out to eat with friends, Tom and Claire Bullock. Tom was a dear brother in the Lord. He and I were going fishing the very next morning. So the next morning, right after we had launched the boat, and we're, we're sitting on the lake right before dawn, you know, when the, when the water is just glass. Tom says this to me. He says, Monty, if you are going to continue to treat Lori the way you did last night, Claire and I will not be spending time with you anymore. General observation. Tom was speaking truth in love. He had considered his words and thought about them in advance, and he delivered them at an appropriate time. Now the Lord had my attention. Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? So I've spent a few days reflecting and observing myself. I came home from work one day, and I sat Lori down, and I looked in her eyes, and I said, I'm, I'm going to change. <laughs> Lori then looks at me with those pretty green eyes, and I could read exactly what they said. Whatever. I will believe it when I see it. I've heard all this before. Are you through? Do you know that look? I can remember this to this day, the prayer that I said to God when I saw that in her eyes. In the split second, I realized her disposition. I said, God, I spent 12 years teaching her to respond this way. If it takes 12 years to change that, I'm in. So we lived happily ever after. Your laugh is appropriate. <laughs> you know it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you see, in all my wisdom, I had decided, I had decided that I needed to pray to God to make me fall in love with Lori because I did not love her anymore. And she hates to hear me say that. I figured I, if I loved her, that would solve the issues. I prayed this for a year. During that year, we got involved in a gospel preaching church in Reston, Virginia. Looking back, we were being directed to see and get reacquainted with the glory of God and his love for us far more than we deserved. One day, I was having lunch with our pastor. I had been laid off of my job. I worked for a clinic. I was laid off from my job. I was spewing all kinds of anger about the clinic and what had happened and to get me where I was at that point. And I'll never forget the words that John Stringer, my pastor, said that day. These are the exact words he said. He said, Monty, you can't be the clinic's savior. I remember those words. But that's not what I heard. That's not what the Lord said to my heart. 
I remember we were eating in the Reston Town Center, and I had gumbo in, in front of me, and, and uh, it was still full and and because uh, I was the one yapping, and, and he was eating. He was almost through, and I was, I was holding my spoon, hovering over the gumbo as I did all this, and when he said that, I dropped my spoon in the gumbo and just stared at him. I heard the Lord tell my heart, Monty, you can't be your marriage's savior. I said another quick prayer. I said to myself and I said to the Lord, I need to pray to fall in love with Jesus. I don't love Jesus. I had lost my awe of him long ago. This church in Reston, the community in Reston, my pastor, my friend Tom, my sister Matilda, all parts of the body of Christ were speaking truth in love, and I was being pointed to the glory that is Christ. So I started praying that prayer to fall in love with Jesus because God hadn't answered the first one yet. And I knew why now. God answered that prayer to fall in love with Jesus. Now through Christ, I was letting no corrupt talk come out of my mouth, but only as such for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And that's to praise of his glory. And I was not grieving the Holy Spirit of God by whom I was sealed for the day of redemption. I was letting all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander to be put away from me, along with all malice. I was being more kind. I was being more tenderhearted. I was being more forgiving as God and Christ had forgiven me. And all of this is to the praise of his glory because I saw it again. God also answered my original prayer beyond anything that I thought marriage could be. I do love Lori, and I do love Jesus. In God's wisdom and insight, this is our job as the body of Christ. We remind each other of God's glory. We point to him with awe. Remember, he chose us that we should be holy and blameless before him, not away from his presence hiding. He chose us for adoption to himself. All of that is according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. We are lavishly sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The writer of Hebrews cautions us this way. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. He says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil and unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God, hiding and naked, but exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, exhort one another to see the glory and awe of God, that none of you may be hardened with the deceitfulness of sin. 
by taking your eyes off of God's glory. You might say, so Monty, what happened after the Lord got your attention? You're in your 43rd year of marriage. Long story short, because I got to land this. (laughs) I started walking a path to be more attentive and learning to repent of my shortcomings. I was learning to love Lori and my children and sacrifice and lead them. I was soaking up the word of God, and Lori and I were growing together. Well, remember I said a prayer to God that if it took 12 years to turn around, I was in? 12 years later, God has a sense of humor. 12 years later, Lori went to a woman's retreat at the McLean Bible Church, and the theme was for such a time as this. She returned from the retreat. I had made dinner, and we were talking, and I was just asking about the retreat. She mentioned a quote from one of the speakers that said, if you step out of the light, it isn't a matter of if you will get shot down. It's a matter of when you will get shot down. So I asked her if she had ever been shot down before. She said, sure. So I pressed her for when and what. She was clearly not sharing something. So I pressed. She took a breath. She told me that later she had taken a breath and she said a quick prayer to God. Saying, okay God, for such a time as this. Then she told me that before we ever dated and were engaged and were married, while she was in college, she had an abortion. This was mind-numbing to me. God, through Monty McCullough, when Lori needed it the most after her confession and wondering what my reaction would be, God sent his Holy Spirit. I got up, went over to her, and just held her and cried with her. God used me, God used me to make the grace of the invisible king visible. Now understand, that was God in his faithfulness supplying us with what we needed most. I was now finding out what she had hidden and was carrying for 24 years plus. I learned stories of the night after her abortion, of being so lonely with her feelings and crying out to God and him drawing near. And she now trusted me to love her. Um, I'm going to invite the band to come up while I finish this. Y'all go ahead, come up. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you that you don't know what you think you know about others. You don't. You don't know the cost that Jesus' blood covered. I didn't know the burden my Lori was carrying 
and I was all pious and judgmental and dismissive, you name it, and we all do it. How do I know? I've shared and talked to enough people to know we all pretty much the same, and we ain't all that. But I know who is. I know what repentance does and what true freedom to love will heal. Brothers and sisters, you have been lavished with the love, with such a love that you're called a child of God. Be strong and courageous. Do not go in hiding and stay in hiding. Jesus is wooing you out to clothe you. The Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Love him with all your soul. Love God, and you will love others. Our calling is to make the grace of the invisible king visible. And you can only do that if you fall in love with Jesus. Let me pray real quick. Father, Jesus constantly called for people to follow him. He constantly asked that people would come to him. He constantly wanted the children to have access to him. He healed everyone who came to him. Help us to love you and see you. Come Holy Spirit, heavenly dove, with all your quickening power, Come kindle the flame of sacred love in these cold hearts of ours.